Welcome to New Life Baptist Preaching, where we grow in discipleship, we grow in relationships, and we grow in Jesus Christ. This series is the Blood Covenant. Here we'll be studying Luke 22, 23, and 24, seeing everything from the Passover to the institution of the Lord's Supper, the cross of Christ, and the coming of the Holy Spirit being promised. And so we hope that you join in with us, that you subscribe so you don't miss a single Sunday. Um, Also, I did not announce, and we'll try to make sure there's two plates out there, but we will be taking up a love offering again uh, for Brother Jimmy and XL Global Ministry. So try to keep that in mind and uh, give how uh, God leads you to give. All right, so we're going to pick up again this morning in Luke 23, continuing in the uh, blood covenant. Luke 23, 17 through 25, and um, starting a little later than usual, and I'll try not to uh, keep you too long, but um, there is a good word in here today, as there always is in the word of God. And uh, so I hope that... uh, Um, you will be blessed by it. I also hope that you will be challenged by it uh, as we um, should find God's Word challenging to us. Uh, So if you're at Luke 23, verse 17, please stand and we will read the Word of God. 23, beginning in verse 17, and we pick up where we left off last week, and it's... uh, uh, the, the trial of Christ. He has been to Herod, sent to Herod by Pilate, sent back. Uh, Pilate has again declared him innocent. And he has declared in verse 16, I will therefore chastise him and release him. 17 says, For of necessity he must release one unto them at the feast. It was a custom to do this. Passover feast. And they cried out all at once saying, Away with this man. And release unto us Barabbas, who for a certain sedition made in the city and for murder was cast into prison. Pilate therefore willing to release Jesus spake unto them, spake again to them, but they cried saying, Crucify him, crucify him. And he said unto them the third time, Why? What evil hath he done? I have found no cause of death in him. I will therefore chastise him and let him go. And they were instant with loud voices requiring that he might be crucified and the voices of them and of the chief priests prevailed. And Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they required. And he released unto them him that for sedition and murder was cast into prison whom they had desired, but he delivered Jesus to their will. Our Father and our God, we humbly come before you again in the name of Jesus. God, the one who went to the cross willingly, as he told Pilate that he had no power over his death unless God gave it to him. So God, we see without a doubt, Jesus Christ.
Christ went willingly for us. For us that deserved it. For us that earned it. But He went in our stead so that we could have life and have it abundantly. So God, we just praise You and thank You for that. And, and God, that we do understand that it is by faith that we have so great a salvation, God. It is not automatic. God, You draw. You have done all the work. We, by faith, receive it. And we thank You and we praise You for these things that, God, we could have no other way but, but by Your power. God, I pray that as we continue in Your Word this morning and in this sermon, this, this sermon series on the blood covenant, that, that God, we gather things from it that maybe we had never considered before. God, that our hearts would be open to the message that you have for us. God, in a time where truth is really challenged, I pray that we, your church, would be adamant about standing on the truth. God, your word is what we have. And it is truth. So God, help us to, to accept it as it is because it is uh, what we have been given by you to know how to live this life that you've called us to live. God, we pray, forgive us where we fail you in Jesus' name. Amen. As we continue here in the uh, blood covenant, this morning, Luke 23, 17 through 25, the first uh, point I want to get across this morning uh, through these passages that we are looking at, I want to look at the cost of compromise. Now, we think about compromise, and compromise doesn't have to be a bad thing. Uh, in some ways, compromise is good. Um, but in this situation right here, and to not spend a whole lot of time uh, uh, talking about it, what we're talking about here is the compromise of truth. And truth is not something that me and you as believers can compromise. It's just impossible. We can't do it. As a believer, we either accept this as a truth uh, 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 from God or we deny it. And the problem with uh, denying one part of it is that if that's the case, then what parts can you not deny? You can deny anything if you, de if you deny even one part of it. And, and so there's, there's a danger in that. And, and the, 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 what we see here, first of all, with compromises, it's not justice. Um, justice is not getting what you don't deserve. And we always say, you know what grace is. Grace is getting what you don't deserve, right? Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. Well, if you compromise truth, justice is not given. You don't get what you don't deserve. That's what justice is. And justice is also getting what you deserve. 
Justice is getting what you deserve. So true justice wasn't for Jesus to go to the cross for me. That wasn't true justice. But out of love for man, he went to the cross. But it was an injustice that sent him there. And that we see that injustice this morning in this in this uh, uh, these verses that we have read. Now, within compromise, and now remember, we're talking about compromising truth. I compromise with my wife all the time. I do it because I like supper. I like sleeping in bed. There's things I like that cause me to compromise. I drive a junky vehicle, she gets a nice one. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we do these things uh, uh, for, for obvious reasons, but, but, but there is good compromise. And I, I try my best not to ever make Angie compromise on my behalf, you know, and, and uh, I know she rarely ever has to do that. And I know all y'all believe me. And now I've lost all, I've lost, I've lost all of your uh, trust because I'm lying to you terribly right now. And here I am talking about not just believing the truth, and and I've just run all over the truth. Uh, but but if we do compromise truth, there, there there's no standards. Standards are out the window. If you can compromise one. Standard, you can compromise every standard. So, so if you take the Ten Commandments and you say, you know what, this one commandment, nah. Well, you might as well say they're not no good because Jesus says, you break one of these, you might as well have broke them all. Within compromise, truth doesn't matter. In John... Uh, 1838, which is the other another account of, of this trial, Pilate famously said, what is truth? And, and folks, we live in a society that that's their ideology right there. What is truth? I mean, we live in a society here that increasingly says truth is whatever you decide it is. And, and let's face facts. That doesn't even make sense. I mean, it really doesn't because, because every one of us can just decide what's truth in our life. But the problem is, is, is there's no definites there that you can ever nail down. You can't even, if you say that, then we can never agree on anything at all. And I think, and I don't think, I know that it's pertinent, pertinent for us as Christians. We must, we must agree that this is the Word of God. We must agree. And, and, and there's, there's absolutes in this Bible that me and you cannot deny and say we believe. We can't do it. Now, are there things within the Word that we can disagree on? Yes. Absolutely. But there are absolutely points in the Bible. There's absolutely points about Jesus' life. There's points about how he was born. There's points about how he, how he went to the cross. There's points about how he 
uh, resurrected that we simply cannot deny and say we're believers. We can't do it. Compromise punishes the innocent and lets the guilty go free. And you know what? I'm not sure that within this releasing of Barabbas and Jesus being found guilty that we can't see the picture of what Christ is doing. Right? The guilty go free. And folks, that's what happens when, when, when we by faith believe. We are guilty, yet set free while Jesus' Jesus's death, Jesus' punishment that He took is imputed upon you. So, first of all, compromise is not justice. Secondly, compromise, we're talking about truth again, so follow along with that very carefully. Truth, compromise of truth leads to hell. If truth doesn't matter, if one truth doesn't matter, then no truth matters, you might as well take the Bible and be done with it. If you're going to tell me that there's a truth in here that you don't believe, then this Bible means nothing to you. You will decide what is truth and what isn't truth. You have at that point made yourself your God. Truth that doesn't matter will accept a lie and all lies lead to hell. Uh, I want to Go to John 8, 44 and read this. Jesus said this, Ye are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. For he is a liar and the father of it. So, if you're going to say that one part of this isn't true, what you're saying is, is I believe that, that I believe a lie. And so if you're saying you believe a lie, then, then Jesus is saying you're, you, we're following our Father, and that Father is the Father of lies, and that is Satan. This is concrete. This Word is concrete. It's never changed. It's never going to change. It was given to us by inspiration. Second Timothy 3.16 tells us, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is useful for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. It is absolute truth. It's the most important subject we will make a decision on. And that subject, I mean, the gospel of Jesus Christ, but it comes down to this point of truth. It's truth, and we have to decide whether we believe it's truth or not. 
it's a serious matter uh, to compromise truth. Revelations 22, 18 and 19 says this. I actually wrote it down. It says, I testify to every man who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the word of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and for the things which are written in this book and from the things which are written in this book. You stand in danger to say that any part of this is not true. You stand in danger by adding to it or taking away from it. Adding to it is just as bad as not believing a part of it. Because again, you're adding your thoughts and your words becoming your own God again. Hebrews 3.12 says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Within that verse, we certainly see that apostasy is real. That, that there can be a, a man that appears to be a believer that, that has said he believes the word of God and the reality is, 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 is he never really truly believed and he becomes worse than he ever was when he walks away from it. The Bible declares that to us. 2 Timothy 4, 3, 4, 3 and 4 says this, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. You suppose we see any of that in our day and time? Think about that. How much sense does it make? But it happens. A search committee doesn't go out looking for a man who will preach the word of God. They go out looking for a man who will tell them what they want to hear. It's a serious matter to compromise truth. The cost of compromise can be ultimately separation from God. And it's a sad, sad reality that we have the truth right here in front of us. It's a sad, sad reality that we have churches that preach from this word of truth, yet preach lies. And that takes me to my second point. The compromise we see here in this was Pilate, who knew, he says what is truth, but, but at the same time, didn't he know the truth? He proved it four times. He knew Christ was innocent. He knew he was. He tried his best to turn him back out. 
He tried his best for it not to be Barabbas. He was certain that surely they won't want to let Barabbas go. This guy is a murderer. But he still compromises and allows it to happen. And that brings me into the second point, and that is the danger of following the crowd. You know, following the crowd is easy. And I would argue right now, there are plenty of crowds out there to follow right now. And I'd say the number one crowd to follow right now is the woke crowd. A term that is used for people who have seen the light of social justice. Vody Bauckham says there's justice and there's injustice. And he is correct. And he's looking at it from a biblical perspective. But you, but you have the crowds out there that, that, that clamor that they're right and, and, and they scream so loudly and, and, and they follow a, 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 a reasoning that, that never comes to an end and, and they draw people into it and it's easy to be drawn into it because, because it, it, uh, it, it seems right. It seems, it appears, it has an appearance of good. And, and you know, we know that there's a, there's a way, the Bible tells us there's a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof is death. And so there's a danger in following the crowds, and, and I think it's important that we ask ourselves this on anything that we do, and, and I'm including church in that, and, and when I say that, I mean, I, I'll include new life in it. Because we're a crowd, and, and there's a preacher, you know, there's Brother Vance, there's me, but Brother Vance will tell you the same thing. Uh, you're not following me. Oh, should we be an example? Sure we should be. That's not the point. The point is, is you need to be sure of what I'm saying. You need to be sure. I need to be sure of what Brother Vance is saying when he speaks uh, from, this, from this pulpit, when he speaks on, on God's Word. So we've got to ask ourselves, who are you following? Could it be? Could it be a false teacher? I'll tell you, some of the preachers out there right now, I have respected at one time, and now I do not. I'm not saying at one time they weren't even solid. Maybe they were. But somewhere along the way, there's been errors. Now, there are some out there that have said things I don't agree with that I think are still solid. You, you see what I'm saying? But some of them have deviated from the word of truth. I mean, some of them have actually as much as said that there's errors within the word. So we have to ask ourselves, who are we following? You know, in this particular case here, the crowd was following the religious leaders. And... In Matthew 3, 7, 
Uh, John says this, and and the main thing I'm going to bring out of this is just what he calls them, but he says, but when he saw many of the Pharisees coming to his baptisms, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Family of snakes. Matthew 12, 34, Jesus says, you brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I mean, so I kind of say this to bring this point up is the religious leaders were trusted people. And the crowd was following them. And the crowd was convinced that they were right. They had to be right. They were the religious leaders. I mean, they were the scribes that, that wrote God's Word. Who are you following? Does it line up with God's Word? Does what they're doing, is what they're saying, line up with God's words? I don't say, does it kind of line up? Does it line up? And folks, and I believe some Christians are being drawn away, pulled away, true believers, into some of this deception. And you want to know why they are? Because they don't know God's Word. They don't spend time in God's Word. Look, it ain't my power that keeps me from being deceived. It's the power of Christ in me. Otherwise, I would be drawn away too. Because here's the other thing. You ask yourself, why are you following it? And I'm telling you, in this time, in this day, and, and really in all the times, even in this situation here, this is what was happening. This is what was happening right here. It feels right. And we was talking about this earlier. It's called emotionalism. It feels good. It makes you feel good. It seems right. Some of the things they are saying are right. Oh, look how they're being mis- misused and abused. And, and I mean, in some situations, it's, it's correct. Is racism right? Does God like racism? Well, absolutely not. If God stands for justice, no, He doesn't like racism. Of any kind. Colossians 2.8 says this, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men. After the rudiments of this world and not after Christ. Which, which takes us to the main point here is make sure you're following Jesus. Okay, and then, and then you can be in the right crowd. Listen, I don't mind telling you. One of the reasons I remain here at this church is I feel like it's the right crowd. I feel like there's people in here that build me up. And I believe there's other churches out there that do the same thing, and I praise God for them. Give me more. Give us more. 
Another point I'd make about why are we following a crowd a lot of times? Most of the time, probably every time really, is we're looking for an identity. You, you follow a crowd, you identify with them. And if our identity is found in anything other than Christ, then once again, we're making that. I'm making my identity my God. And, and make no mistake, and, and I know I confess these all the time when I'm up here, but, but am I apt to do those things? Absolutely, I am. I fight the flesh. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, and it's important to understand that so that you can know that there's a fight on your hands. We fight against principalities, folks. The crowd you follow also ask yourself, where does it lead? Where does it lead? We already talked about compromise leads to hell. Don't follow a crowd that's going to lead you to hell. If it takes you anywhere but closer to Jesus, it's false. And the only way we can know is by God's Word. I'm going to read Romans 1.16. I didn't just, I, I know that verse memorized it. I'm, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. That's why there can't be compromise. That's why the crowd we follow has to be grounded in the truth of God's word. So there's compromise. And there's the cost of compromise. There's the danger of falling in the crowd. And I also want to say this. There's sin's deception. Sin's deception is what will cause us to compromise. Sin's deception is what will cause us to follow the wrong crowd. Uh, it allows us to compromise and believe it's okay. It allows us to compromise and say, you know, it's not a big deal. It allows for falling the Christ, uh, crowd because it feels good. And here's the thing we have to remember is sin is a liar. It only pleases the flesh and then only temporarily. Ephesians 5, 11 and 12 says this, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them, for it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. And also, I'm going to look at 1 John 4, 1 and 6, 1 through 6. And these are familiar verses also. Beloved, Believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth that not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, 
whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is in the world. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And I think it's important to understand, as, he, as John says this, he, he says that um, he that knoweth God heareth us. And, and you think about the us, they're the writers of the word of God. They're the, they're the, they're the ones that God gave inspiration to, that, that 2 Timothy speaks of. 3.16. I think that um, if you look over in, into uh, Matthew's account, you, we see Pilate symbolically washes his hands of the blood of Christ. And, and it's, you know, we're talking about sin's deception, but I, here's what I want us to understand right here is that there's not a one of us in here that can wash our hands of the blood of Christ. That crowd, that crowd, that mob was screaming, crucify him, crucify him. And folks, our sin was screaming the same thing. Our sin hates light. That crowd that day also said, let his blood be upon us when Pilate symbolically washed his hands of the blood of Christ. And you know what? I want his blood on me, but not in the same way they did. His blood is what cleanses me. This is the blood covenant the blood that I should have poured out. I deserve it. I deserve all the pain and more. I deserve the shame. Because my sin is a shame. Because my sin screamed loudly to crucify Him. Yet it was Christ still that willingly went. Make no mistake about that. My question then really here now is where are you at in the blood covenant? Have you allowed Christ's righteousness to be imputed upon you? Have you allowed the blood of Christ to be, to be your sin cleanser? Based on the truth of the Word of God, that is absolutely our only hope. There is no other. 
there isn't the world's way and God's way. There's God's way. What have you done with the blood of Christ? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for so great a salvation. God, I could get on my knees and stay there for the rest of my life and not be able to properly thank you for what you have done. But God, I... I hope, I pray, even just that at least parts of my life are a reasonable sacrifice. Because our whole life, you say, is a reasonable sacrifice, and we do, we owe it to you for what you have done. Not for salvation, but because of what you have done and our, and our thankfulness for it. Christ, help us to serve you as you called us to do, even as Brother Jimmy expressed earlier about how each one of us as individuals are, are, we're called to do something. And if we don't know what it is, all we have to do is ask you and listen to you and you will show us. God, help us to be active in doing what your will is for our lives. God, ultimately and above all, that is speaking the gospel to a lost and dying world. God, we pray these things and ask in Jesus' name. Amen.
I got wind about their pointing at me, telling me which one's which. Because they don't trust me. And this is all about trust this morning, wasn't it? But it's Jesus we trust, not Jack.
Thank you for listening to New Life Baptist Preaching, where we grow in discipleship, we grow in relationships, we grow in Jesus Christ. Subscribe so you don't miss a single Sunday.